0: hello and welcome to 1865 the nottingham forest podcast and to january's forest ramble i am your host rich ferraro and in today's discussion we will cover forest summer transfer business did we manage more hits than misses do we salute to wayne hennessy as the reds number two or should we sign a new custodian while hendo's on the mendo and there's now a real brazilian influence on the team Will the Big D get the Reds fans excited? All this and more as we have our regular sketch from Jeremy Davis, we discuss mental health and mentality, and we will have a new quiz for you, all coming up in this episode of 1865, the podcast that definitely watches every single Forest match. Now, let's say hello to today's panel, and I'm going to ask you which Reds signing they think has had the biggest impact at the city ground so far. So, who's that... Boyish face and charming good looks. It's Baz.
2: Hello. Who's <laughs> um, had the biggest impact? Uh, 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 Morgs and Froiler. Morgs and Froiler.
0: Okay. And where's that boyish face and, and charming good looks? It's the Maradon the Midlands.
3: Aye. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go for Morgan Gibbs-White.
0: Morgan Gibbs-White. And hello to Tom Newton. Morning, morning, morning. <laughs> So who would you say no, has had the biggest impact? To Tom, then. <laughs> uh, Full House, it's going to be Morgan Gibbs-White. OK, and I should point out as well, listener, you will be happy to hear that Tom's voice has mostly come back after he'd suffered really badly with the flu over Christmas. If you'd listened to our match reports, you sounded really terrible. So you're feeling better now? Yeah, a lot better. Thank you. Good, good, good. Um just before we move on, I will just point out that we did put out a Twitter poll, uh, one of a series of Twitter polls, and uh, we asked the fans who they think was the best signing of the summer window. And just because polls only give you a limited number of choices, I did uh, offer uh, Dean Henderson, Morgan Gibbs-White, Serge Aurier, and then Other. So uh, Aurier got 7.1%, Henderson got 5.1%. Other got 08 uh, including shouts for ramo freuler and one for josh bowler um i'm not entirely sure that was entirely serious there from bruce um and and then gibbs white absolutely swept the board with 87 percent we will come back to the polls a little later on okay um Later on in the podcast, we'll also talk about some of the faces who might yet arrive at and depart from the city ground. But let's start with those signings who joined in the summer window. So, Tom, I'm going to read out some names from the defence and be interested in in what you think. So we've got... Nico Williams, Serge Aurier at right back, Harry Tofflow and Renan Loddy at left back, and I'm just going to include Willie Bolly as centre half. Now, I'm not including Julian Biancon, Omar Richards, or Moussa Niakate because they simply haven't played enough. So, so Williams, Aurier, Tofflow, Loddy, Bolly. What do you reckon, Tom? Well,
1: for a free signing, Abe has been um, brilliant. I think Nico Williams is a uh... He started okay, then he just at the time wasn't doing great, and I think he suffered for it, so hence why he's not been in the side recently from like a starting perspective. Um, Willie Bolly, when he first came into the side, I was a bit I don't know, but since he came in for the Tottenham game, uh, next to World he's been uh, pretty much uh, solid. And when he went off against um Wolves, I was a bit disappointed that he went off injuries because I thought he was just uh, finding you know, some real form. Um, Toffolo to be honest he hasn't done anything wrong really every time he's come onto the pitch he's put in a shift and done alright but we've got Renan Lodi he's played for Brazil played at Atletico Madrid in Champions League I mean he had a slow start and I think it was just like a settling in period and possibly the language barrier but since Scarpa's come in he's been absolutely brilliant and I sincerely hope we uh, may that a permanent at the end of the season if we're still a Premier League club
0: Yeah uh, I mean as we talked about uh, about uh, Nico Williams briefly, and, and saying you were saying, well, I'm not entirely sure he's a defender. Um, is that just something that you can say to a young player who's still learning his trade
2: as a fullback? Well, this this is the thing. I think there's a there's a difference between fullback and wing-back. and wing-back is basically or pretty much an attacking position nowadays. And he, I think, he was signed when we were playing a back three, and the the idea was he was going to play as one of those wing backs. Now that we play a back four, he's got a slightly different role, and I don't think he's he's either learnt that role fully or he's uh, suited to it. One of those two, and mm. so it's the change that we've had that's made made a difference for him.
0: Yeah, and uh, I would also um, just still with you, Baz. Uh, we were talking. Um... As well about about Aurier and and we've we've whacked lyrical about him as well, but in our recent match reports you've also mentioned he's he's gone missing a couple of times the the accusation from Spurs fans was that he'd he'd go upfield and then he wouldn't always track back, and we have seen a little bit of that in the last couple of matches, haven't we?
2: Yeah, I saw a description of him by Spurs fans saying he makes some odd decisions that will cost you goals. And I think we've seen that in the last couple of games. <laughs> okay. Um, and
0: Maradon, the Midlands, um, I'm just going to ask you about uh, the, other, the other two there. So so Willie Bolly, um, he was wandering too much, wasn't he? Wolverhampton Wanderer, who's wandering too much. But since he's basically decided that he's going to stay put that's obviously to, to do with coaching and tactics as much as anything else but once he's doing the head it kick it part he's made the forest defence look better and made joe worrell look better hasn't he
3: yeah i mean i thought i thought some of the early criticism for him was was harsh um but yeah he's he but he still does bring that stability to it and that bit of experience and know-how um to the defence and just a, a calming influence to Joe Worrell as well, I think. I think you see you see when Willy Bolly plays, Joe looks like a better player as well. So, yeah, for, for sort of a couple of million quid or whatever we paid for him, he, he looks like a, a great signing.
0: OK, and um, Baz, you love a defensive midfielder, so now is your chance to talk about Shaq or Arul Mangala. You can talk about Lewis O'Brien, but let's
2: start off with your mate, Ramo Froiler. <laughs> My mate. Um... If you think back to the start of the season when we were collapsing and getting pulled apart, and we've said this on all the match reports. Every single game, there was one point, one of the goals, at least one of the goals we conceded, was where one of their attacking midfielders would get in the space between the defence and the midfield and then do a 20 yard shot that curled past Henson's to the top, top corner. And what Freuler has done. Is he's eliminated that completely. And he doesn't do it by tackling, he does it by cutting one, occupying the space and does it by cutting out the passing lanes. So the passing can't get through to their, their attack. And our solidity has come pretty much from that, from him doing that. And that's kind of why, and well, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, having Danilo in the side is kind of um. An interesting thing because it moved Freuder out of the way.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about that um, because you and I discussed in our match report from the first leg of the Carabao Cup, uh, which obviously didn't go well, but. Um, Forrest kind of shored things up after about uh, 20 minutes because they made a formation change, which saw Froehler move from being in the Yates position on the right hand of a midfield three to being um, holding up the base of midfield in a 4-2-3-1 alongside Danilo. And Forrest, all of a sudden, that's when they had their best spell of the game for for 25 minutes, wasn't it? So... Not a coincidence, I don't think. I mean, some of it is to do with Scarpa not having to look over his shoulder. But I think it's also because Freuler and Danilo were able to provide an, uh, a protective axis.
2: Yeah. And and, and it's that same thing of occupying that space rather than giving that, conceding it to them.
0: Yeah. Well, I've plenty more about Danilo a little bit later. Um, let's talk about uh, some of the others. Um, Cech Coyote, I think, falls into the willy-bolly category of at the start, you kind of think, well, he's experienced, so shouldn't he be doing much better? But once he settled down and 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 the tactics changed and we went to that sort of uh, 4-3-3 uh, type approach, um, he'd been a revelation until he got injured, wasn't he? Yeah, and the,
2: again, that was one of those things. It was like learning about the team, I think, because the, the, um, the thing that I had noticed was that him and Yates would time each other's runs. They kept an eye on each other and making sure that, when one went, the other stayed back and so on. So that gave us this flexibility in midfield that we didn't have with Freuler obviously pinning it behind them. Then suddenly we had this very, very dynamic, moving midfield that made a real difference for us.
0: Mm, yeah, and uh, Mangala in his first couple of matches, he looked like a real baller and then he kind of went off the boil a little bit, lost his place to Kuyate. Uh And then I would say maybe it took him a, li- a little time just to... Um, uh, to, to develop that understanding in the way it's, it took Kiate a little while to develop that understanding. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, and I mean, at the moment, we've been playing him effectively in the Kiate role. I don't think necessarily he's quite as cut out for it. He's not quite as mobile as Kiate is, and he doesn't seem to have that same sort of impact. He's much more, he seems, well, he, the way he's been playing recently has been much more sort of keep it tight, keep it tidy. Um, sort of thing, rather than exploding forwards, which is fair enough. And I, I guess if we lose Froiler for injury or whatever, which hopefully won't happen, then he could probably sit in and do that role, which is kind of what he was doing right at the start of the season as well.
0: Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, just a word on on Lewis O'Brien. So, uh, just like with Toff, we signed him from Huddersfield. one of Huddersfield's two best players. Uh, I think, just like Toff, he's been a little bit unfortunate, hasn't he? And and he had that illness, and and he's never really got back in the team. So, as we'll hear from Callum in a little while, um, O'Brien looks as if he's going to move on loan to West Brom. I still think there's a Premier League player in there, don't you, Baz?
2: Yes, but it's it's going to be so. It's a funny one because right at the start of the season, when we were struggling a lot, a lot of people calling for O'Brien to play. Because every time he came on, he gave us a burst of energy, and you could see he was trying and so on. Now, when he comes on as a sub, he doesn't necessarily give us that level that boost of energy. It's, I think he's going to need games to get up to it. Get up to it, and I don't see how he's going to get games at the moment. Mm.
0: Tom, anything to add to that about any of the midfielders? I think what's been mentioned is pretty much what
1: I um, would say. Um, But going back to the defence again, I'd um, I'd I'd send Toffler to a nicer club than Anderech and just let's ask him if they want Dennis offers.
4: Wow! Punishment
1: from that eighty-four semi-final when got cheated out of it.
0: OK, well, as you've neatly segued into the forwards there, Tom, uh, you're doing my job for me there. Um, so, Married on the Midlands, you always fancied yourself as a forward. So, so we'll we'll come on to the attacking midfielders in a sec. But as Tom said it, let's start off with Emmanuel Dennis and Taiwo Awanyi. Bless Dennis.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he's, as a forward, I knew that if, if you wanted to play well, you needed a run of games. You needed sort of maybe half a dozen games to get get your rhythm going, get your speed and your touch going and just have that confidence to know that if you, even if you have a bad one or two games, you're not going to get dropped straight away. Um, so I have some sympathy for, for Dennis and, and Sam Surridge as well during the course of the season, especially after that Blackpool game because it's, as a forward, it's, it is really hard knowing that you're only going to come into one game and it's like you've maybe been complaining to the manager that you haven't had a chance and then the manager goes, okay, then today's your chance. And it's really hard to just come into that one game and just perform at your top level. Um, I think fitness-wise as well, because he's not played regularly, he's only sort of come on as subs here and there. That's really damaged him as well. Uh, Just in the same way that Coyote, Bolly, and one or two other players didn't look at it at the beginning of the season. Um, You could really tell that playing regular games really helped them. And as the fitness improved, they got better. And so... I'm I'm loath to criticise him too much. He, I mean, he does he does look like a player who's absolutely bereft of confidence now, and um, just sort of, sort of passing it to the opposition and things like that just just doesn't help because the crowd is sort of on his back now. So I still think there's a decent player there. You don't score sort of ten Premier League goals in a season, play for two seasons in the Premier League, and be a bad player. It's just he's unfortunate he doesn't get a run of games, and it's it's such a a cutthroat business, and each game is so vital, each point is so valuable that you can't really afford to have him give him the time to have a run of games, find his form. Um, So I do have some sympathy for him there.
0: Mm, Tom, I know you want to come in, but um, just uh, before you do, just
3: uh,
0: what was unusual was there's that briefing to the press saying, well, Dennis is going to be made available for transfer and and. The coaching staff were unhappy with his contribution in the away game at Man United because he kept giving the ball away and everything. So, anything to add on that one, Tom?
1: If he was wearing a Man U shirt, he would have a 100% passing record because (laughs) the only successful passes made in the last couple of months is to a United player. But no, I I saw him play for Club Rouge in the Champions League against Real Madrid and he absolutely ripped it up. There is a player in there, but there's always a risk with a transfer. So I think that's what's happened with Dennis. You signed him with the best interest, but it hasn't really worked for him. has
0: it. Oh, yeah, he's still stuck to the floor at Rock City, isn't he? So, um, <laughs> so Maradon the Midlands. Um, let's let's talk about uh, Taiwo Awanyi, Jesse Lingard, and of course that man Morgan Gibbs White.
3: Yeah, well, Taiwo and Jesse Lingard. I think similar similar to the other things, other the other players I mentioned. Um, the more they play, the better the better they've got. Um, so that's obviously we found out in the in the Jesse Lingard documentary that he had an injury at the beginning of the season, which wasn't really made public at the time. Um, and so, as his fitness improved, his his performance has improved as well. Um, whether we've had value for money for him from him so far, you'd probably have to say no because it's his, his his contribution in terms of assists and goals. He you would have wanted a lot more, but you have to give him the benefit of the doubt with with that injury. Um Taiwo he was the, the, all the previews we had from him from Germany was, was that he, he was a rough diamond Um and he he certainly showed that in the initial stages of the game but what I, I like about him is that he still keeps on popping up and scoring the goals and that's as something you can't really teach a player that's just instinct He's, he, he seems to be in the right place at the right time to score a goal so I wasn't too worried when he was having sort of bad touches and sort of giving the ball away at the start of the season because that the, the ability to be in the box at the right time and score a goal is worth a hell of a lot more uh, than sort of anything else in a striker. And he can teach sort of the, the holding the ball up and, and all those sort of things. So, and he, he, again, is so unfortunate that he got injured in that Southampton game because he was just starting to play really well. Um, he gave uh, Koulibaly a torrid time in the Chelsea home game. And we it was, it was, it was so, so unfortunate. So hopefully he can come back soon. And Morgan Gibbs White—he's just become such a pivotal player for us. He's, he's sort of our, our hopes of um, playing um, playing Premier League football beyond this season that sort of rests on his shoulders. Really, he's so so important to the way he plays. He scores goals, he sets up goals, he drives the ball forward from defence to mid, uh, midfield and further forwards. Um, and he just looks uh, looks like a forty-five million pound player now. Is um, it was a conviction signing from from uh, Steve Cooper. Mm. And he could have fallen by it or lived by it. And, and thankfully, it looks like he was absolutely right about him. He, he looks like, without wishing to, uh, to tempt fate, he, he he could play at a really top club um, in the future, sort of Champions League, whatever, whatever he wants to. He looks like he's got that sort of ability.
0: Uh, Baz. The, you know, the the lazy comparison was the last time Forrest made a club record signing and put him in the number 10 shirt, it was João Carvalho. But then also at the time that we signed Morgan, a certain ex-Forest striker from the 90s said, hmm, club record signing, he's from Stafford and he's wearing the number 10 shirt. So Stan Collymore was making positive comparisons before he'd even kicked a ball for Forrest. So, um, yeah, what do you want to say about Morgan Gibbs-White?
2: Um, I would just like to apologise to the bloke in the pub in Leeds on Friday night who was wearing the yellow and green forest shirt and I went up to him and went, "Welcome, oh, Gibbs, White," And then walked <laughs> off. <laughs> okay, that's that's
0: um that's an unexpected bit of input from you there. So <laughs> so thanks a lot. Um and, and thank you everyone. Now um obviously we haven't talked about some of the other players, um, Josh Bowler, Brandon Aguilera, Huang Yizhou, because they haven't played for Forest. Um, but we will come on to talk about a few other things in just a few minutes. But before we move on, let's go over to Callum with a roundup of the latest transfer activity.
5: Hi, this is Callum with the 1865 News. Um, since I was last on, there's been a few transfers that have gone through. So we've had Danilo come in from Palmeiras and Chris Wood on loan from Newcastle. Uh, we've had Dale Taylor head out on loan to Burton and Aaron Donnelly to Port Vale on loan as well. Um, there's a few potential incomings, a few potential outgoings at the moment. So Forrest did try for Western McKenney at the uh, 11th hour before he went to Leeds. Um, obviously unsuccessful there um, it looks like Kalor Navas is in advanced talks with Forrest at the moment, I think everything's agreed with him um, but the Forrest and PSG just need to agree on terms as well that's obviously to cover Dean Henderson through injury who may miss some important games um, Angelo from Santos that looks like it could be a lone move at first which becomes permanent if Forrest stay in the Premier League which is good he's supposed to be uh, really exciting 18 years old one of the youngest debutants at Santos I think it was 15 years of age he started there uh, a winger and then it looks like Forrest are in for Roberto Jagliadini from Inter and that kind of ties in with the potential outgoing so Lewis O'Brien looks like he's close to reuniting with Carlos Corbran at West Brom so that's where the midfield link has probably come from and then Harry Toffolo looks like he could be heading to Anderlecht as well on loan and a few clubs are reported to be interested in Lyle Taylor as well so it looks like he could head out on loan before the window closes. Um, Cooper, Steve Cooper and Brennan Johnson both nominated for Manager and Player of the Month in the Premier League, respectively, which is really great, really good news. (coughs) Um, Hopefully one or both of them win the accolade. And then um, more recently, Sabu Lamucci is headed to Cardiff. So best of luck to him. I'm sure everyone wishes him good luck as well as the man who made us believe again. Thank you very much. And I'll be back again with the news soon. Great. Thank you,
0: Callum. And uh, we will as you said, we'll hear from you again very soon. Now, at um, the time of recording, Dean Henderson is obviously out injured and we do have the issue of um, having Wayne Hennessy in goal and and we've talked about this to a uh, a certain uh, extent in terms of is Hennessy doing the job we'd 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 hope he would do? And and I don't want to rake over old ground there. I think we've 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 discussed that he isn't as good at getting down to stay, safe shots as as Henderson. He's not as commanding. He doesn't have the personality necessarily that uh, that Henderson does. But as Callum said, there there is some talk about Kalor Navas, but also of the Croatian keeper uh, Livakovic. And we ran a poll and we said if if Forrest would sign another keeper, who would you prefer? And 31% of you said Navas, 60.3% of you said Livakovic, uh, 3.3% said someone else, and then 5.3% said neither. Um, Before we go any further, let's just hear what
6: our Adam had to say about it. This goalkeeping situation is a bit of a strange one for me, right? I would absolutely love Livakovic. Um, The money's right. The player's very good. Um, You know, he's first-team quality goalkeeper. Maybe he's, he's a much cheaper option than... what well, I say maybe he's definitely a much cheaper option than Dean Henderson in the summer as well. If you get him now, great. But I don't understand, really, the hate towards Caelan Avers. Caelan Avers is a Champions League winning goalkeeper. He's a regular... Champions League contributor for PSG currently. He's, he yeah, he's 36. Fine, I get that argument, right? But the deal discussed is alone to the end of the season. If you've got Keylor Navas and Dean Henderson, two goalkeepers, I think that's absolutely fantastic options to have. Um, let's be honest, PSG don't care about Keylor Navas's game time, do they? Right? They don't care if he plays a single minute. But until Henderson comes back, you've got Navas. And then in the summer, if Navas likes it here, a one-year deal for Kaelan Navas for a couple of million quid isn't bad business.
0: Married on the Midlands. Uh, one of the things that Steve Cooper commented about is that actually the, the fixture situation buys Forrest a bit of time because Henderson. When we're not in the FA Cup, Henderson can't play against Man United anyway. So there's now talk that he might be back for the Fulham match, which means effectively he only really misses one more game against, against Leeds. We had some people in the poll saying we don't need to sign anyone else. So what do you think?
3: Yeah. I mean, if he's going to be back so soon, then absolutely we, there's no real need to uh, sign a goalkeeper now. Um, if it is Le- Le- Lavakovic Lov- Liv- Lovakovic. Lovakovic is, is a serious long-term option. Then it might it might be well worthwhile signing him now um, if we can, because he he's, he's certainly impressed during the World Cup. Um, if if the club that if he's if he's somebody that's been on the club's radar for a while and and he would could provide a long-term solution to the goalkeeping problem, then by all means you could sign him now. I don't think that would be a terrible decision because we're going to just have the same issue again in the summer when when Henderson's uh, loan runs out. Um, the Navas one, I, I wouldn't sign him. There's there's a number of legitimate concerns about him. One is his age. So, yeah, he's the same age as, as Hennessy. So, some of the problems we've seen with him, Hennessy, we might see with Nevas. Um, also, he hasn't played all season, just the same as Hennessy. He only really played at the World Cup he's never played in england i don't know if he can speak english but that'll be an issue um and i I'm, so he might he might be taller than i think he is but he's never struck me as being a particularly big or physical goalkeeper he's looked quite small on on tv when i've seen him play so would he be suited to the hustle and bustle of the premier league so and finally the cost of it i mean if, if his wages are sort of quarter of a million pounds a week that's totally unjustifiable for a potentially a reserve goalkeeper. So I think mean, there are plenty of legitimate concerns to sort of put us off signing Navas. But if if Henderson is going to be fit that soon, then by all means, uh, not sign anybody. would be fine for now.
0: Tom, I've got two words to, as an argument against signing Keylor Navas. Uh, Hugo Lloris, you see that his form and his physicality has just dropped off a cliff um, in the last year. And he's just... Isn't able to do the same job as a goalkeeper because he's just not athletic enough and he's he's not elastic enough and and he's younger than Navas. So that's my argument. Discuss.
1: I'm just got my concern is regarding Navas. Is Henderson's going to be fit in the next week or so? I just don't see the point. I'd rather get Lovakovic than pay that money and he's out beyond this season. So, but that's me. And the concern is like Navas, good goalkeeper, he's proved that with his um, honours over the years. But do we really need a one Henderson could be back in a matter of weeks, and Lovakovic is there in terms of if you pay the money, he's ours.
0: Baz, just just briefly, we we discussed uh, in our Man United match reports, like well the thing with signing hennessy as a number 2 is that he's a number 2 and therefore by definition not as good as the number 1 and any goalkeeper who wants to be a number 1 isn't going to be happy when he's not playing
2: yeah um and the well, the, the other thing about bringing someone if if henderson's back quick then then yeah this isn't this isn't an issue but if it's if it is going to be like another six weeks or whatever i think and again we mentioned this in the, in the match report is a big part of it is that presence, that commanding the area, commanding the defence and and what riling what, up the fans. And we had Brees Samba doing that for the last couple of years and we've had Henderson, who's capable of doing that. You get someone in who doesn't know the country, doesn't speak the language and knows that he's here because he's old and on a short-term loan. And are you going to get the same thing? Mm. By the way, I should
0: point out that I have no idea whether Kalor Neva speaks English or not. he might do he might not, but um but yeah, I think there's lots of lots of legitimate concerns about an old player on big, big money. now let's move on um and let's talk about one of the players who um just briefly married on the midlands, one of the players who we have signed this window who is chris Wood um were you surprised at that signing?
3: I was a bit yes, um. I think he's he's been a great player down the years, and sort of especially down in in the, when we were in the championship about ten years ago, he he would have been an ideal signing for us uh, then. Um, he does. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that Newcastle let him go because I, I watched a couple of, sort of Newcastle games over Christmas and, and he, he seemed to be playing fairly regularly then, so he, he seemed to be a, a, an important member of their squad. Um, but yeah. I can i can understand it as a loan signing it's a brilliant loan signing from between now and the end of the season he offers that bit of stature up front that we may be missing in away games um to potentially hold the ball up and chip him with a few goals and what have you um long term i'm not so sure if it would be a, a great signing i don't i don't like that um clause in the contract where we'll have to buy him if he if he uh, meets the stipulations. I'm I'm not sure as a light, long-term signing, he fits in with the sort of profile p- player we want. And at his age, how how much value would we get out of him? Um, I was talking to Stephen off air when we did the uh, Bournemouth match report. I was I was thinking, well, we've gone from signing players like O'Brien and Toffolo in the summer to uh, Scarpa and Danilo now. And almost the, the Chris Wood signings were all almost. So we were accelerating at such pace, uh, moving so 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 far forward that we're almost past the Chris Wood start, signing sort of stage already. It's, it almost seems like he, he won't be good enough in a, in six months' time to get into our squad. So I'm not sure. I think we probably had to put the compu- uh, compulsion to buy him just to convince Newcastle to let him go, so he, they can get him off their books in the in the summer. But I'm not sure if that would
0: be a great deal for us. Uh, Baz, just very, very quickly, um, my concern about Wood is that he doesn't fit into the kind of number 10 with wide striker system. But then on Wednesday, we saw that we needed the option of going 4-2-3-1 with with sort of an out-and-out centre forward. And I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons that Wood has also, apart from just needing bodies on the pitch, I'm wondering if that's part of the reason that Wood's been signed.
2: Yeah, and um, also my Newcastle supporting friend, when I when I asked how how is it how's he done this season, he says the big advantage of him is he works so hard and presses so high up the pitch he will take two or three defenders out, which will then leave space for the others, which when you've got John Owen Gibbs White next to him, that's actually exactly what we need.
0: Mm, okay. Um now we've we've mentioned Gustavo Scarpa. Uh, plenty of times in our recent match reports. But let's just talk a little bit about Danilo. Um, Before we have a quick chat about him, let's uh, hear from Brazilian football journalist Natalie Gedra, and she was talking on the Totally Football Show.
1: We have been following Danilo, and, and he's... The next big thing uh, in Palmeiras, which is the most competitive team in Brazil alongside uh, Flamengo. So he's very young. He's 21. So there's the good part of it. There's a lot to develop there. And he's kind of this modern midfielder. He's a good passer. He he, uh, defends well. Uh, He's everywhere on the pitch. So very energetic. Uh, He has a good air ball as well. But... At the same time, he is very young and he's the shy type. He's mm. very shy. So I don't know uh, which type of immediate impact he can have, but there's a lot to explore on him. There's a lot of potential.
0: Let's
5: hear what Steve Cooper
0: has to say about Danilo.
5: Um, so we need to make sure that he's, he's settled both on and off the pitch first and then um, and really push him to get the best out of him. And like you said, with his age, the exciting bit is that however good he may uh, may be, at that age you still got a lot to to learn and improve and and to to show so um, we look forward to to being on his journey
0: and and with that as well cooper went on to to point out that danilo doesn't really speak much english but he also said that it's very very helpful to have two other brazilians at the club there um obviously we know that scarpa speaks perfect english um renan lodi um cooper did um shine a bit of a light on that renan lodi could basically say the p- basic things that any tourist could please thank you hello goodbye but apparently his English is 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 really good um now so so there's and and of course Danilo is a young man so uh, he will hopefully be be able to to
2: learn Baz what do you want to say I just I, I like to uh, Steve Cooper's uh, little dig as well where he said we've given all the players like little Portuguese comment sheets um I don't know how Jack Colback's going to deal with that
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's 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 keep talking about Danilo. Tom, what did what did, what have you made of Danilo's sort of? Uh, I think he's played about about a hundred minutes in a forest shirt so far. I'm us still. It's just settling
1: in, isn't it? I mean, you made the odd mistake against Manu, but who didn't? And I don't really want to like highlight them because um, he made that pass uh, for Gibbs White to give to uh, Surridge on Wednesday and I think for the age he is, I think we've got a top player and if we can improve him and everybody around him improve then
0: I'm going to look forward to seeing him in the coming months and years and and just to come back to you Baz uh, just briefly I mean there's a huge amount of promise there but but just as importantly I think he's the kind of profile of player that that isn't currently in the squad would you agree
2: yeah, it's, it's um, more than a manual dentist. I think Danilo's quite a statement signing. It's basically saying, this is where we're going to be. We're going to be getting the best players and bringing them in and developing them. It's not just buying old old fellas. It's, it's, yeah, taking, this is, we're building the future of the club here. Yeah.
0: Um, Maradon, the Midlands, uh, Radio Nottingham were making the point just recently, it's like, uh, in the January transfer window uh, last year, we signed Steve Cook, who couldn't get into Championship team Bournemouth. We signed Keenan Davis, who was a Premier League player but couldn't get into Premier League Aston Villa. Uh, and 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 signing Richie Laurea, who couldn't get into the into the Forest squad. Full stop. In the end, um, the 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 level has just gone up an absolute notch, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, it's it's really astonishing. Um, just just the the. the um... The quality of player we're signing now is, 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 is really quite amazing. It's, it's almost like a dream. You could not have imagined that the club that was signing Lyle Taylor not so long ago um, and, and other players of his ilk. We're, we're buying... What you bong, buying, yeah. We've signed a current Brazilian international, or two current Brazilian international, we include Lodi. It's... Um, it's the sort of thing you, you'd expect the, the big, big clubs in Italy or Spain or or or, or England to do. Not not little old Nottingham Forest. It's, uh, it's really, really exciting.
0: And uh, this podcast about little old Nottingham Forest is going to take a little break. In a few minutes, we'll be back with an interview with the founder of mental health organisation, Blokes. And we'll have
7: our Forest quiz. But first, it's time for this. The 1865 sketch by Jeremy Davis It's been something of a relief in the wake of Forrest's 3-0 first-leg defeat in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup to hear all of the coverage fawning over Manchester United, Marcus Rashford and Wakehorst, and pretty much ignoring the fact that there was another team on the pitch who could well have been level at half-time with better luck and a less stupid offside rule. For all that the likes of Jonathan Wilson and Martin Keown have made my blood boil with their dismissive attitude towards Forrest this season and their insistence that you can't hope to stay up with 23 new signings, which will hopefully be Wilson's you-win-nothing-with-kids equivalent, I must confess to feeling a sense of unease at the largely positive turn mainstream media coverage of Forest progress has taken in recent weeks, particularly since reaching the semi-final. I'd rather stay under the radar, so it was good to see the coverage getting back to normal after Wednesday's defeat. I get that not many in the media will be as obsessed with the club as we are, but it did take it to another level, rather, when... Close personal friend of the Maradona of the Midlands, Max Rushton, pronounced on the Guardian podcast this week that he hadn't realised Brennan Johnson was David Johnson's son. Now, I know he's had other things on his mind in the past couple of years, what with emigrating to Australia and becoming a father himself, so can't pay close attention to every club outside the top four, but I felt like emailing in to ask if he was aware of the relationship between, say, Brian and Nigel Clough. Another leading light of British culture who took a keen interest in fraught father-son relationships was, of course, none other than Mr. William Shakespeare. I thought of Shakespearean tragedy in the wake of the Carabao Cup semi-final first leg, particularly after Rich pointed out that even though the scoreline matched the result of the December meeting at Old Trafford, the match itself was very different. And in the same way as the lazy old refrain that if you've seen one Shakespearean tragedy, you've seen them all can be dismissed as literary laziness. Hamlet and Macbeth, for instance, might have a similar setup focused on the death of a king, and both end up the same way, with the protagonist dead with a sword sticking out of him. But the events in between tell two very different stories. Football was a very different game when Shakespeare was writing, of course, which even predates the introduction of the back pass rule. As a master of comic and dramatic timing, one shudders to think how he would feel about VAR although probably not much differently from Forest fans, after Surridge's disallowed goal. Football doesn't feature in Hamlet or Macbeth, although it does get a mention in King Lear when thou base football player is hurled as an insult, presumably referring to the player at the base of the midfield diamond, which just goes to show how far we've come in the intervening 500 years since the holding midfielder is now one of the most coveted players on the field. In Hamlet, the key antagonist is the eponymous hero's uncle, and it's harder to find a direct point of comparison in football, perhaps if Harry Redknapp had taken over at Everton, which would cast Frank Lampard as Hamlet, Big Dunk as his trusted sidekick Horatio, and I suppose Deli Alley and Donny van der Beek as Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. The hapless duo parachuted in to try to get to the bottom of the malaise, only to be swiftly written out of the story before it reaches its inevitably depressing denouement. Macbeth is, of course, frequently referred to simply as the Scottish play. So David Moyes spring to mind. But a more apt comparison might be the situation at Leeds. What with a beloved and wise old king deposed to make way for a brash young pretender who talks in tortured metaphor. Macbeth comes to a sticky end when Burnham Wood comes to Dunsidane. So if Forrest do manage to beat Leeds next weekend, Jesse Marsh gets his marching orders. At least he can comfort himself in the knowledge that he is fulfilling a truly Shakespearean destiny. Hopefully, that's the last we see of Shakespearean tragedy this season at Forest. Although for that to happen, it must be hoped that Wayne Hennessy and the Forest defense stop trying to recreate the comedy of errors. With the Lucky Land
2: Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: nottingham forest
0: podcast i'm delighted to be joined by tom home now tom is a nottingham forest supporter he's also the founder of blokes and you may have seen them tweeting out about all kinds of issues to do with mental health um tom welcome to 1865 no thanks so much for having me it's great to be here okay now what is blokes and why should we be interested so Blokes is a not for profit community interest company
4: um which essentially is is fairly similar to a charity um basically we provide men who are aged 18 and over with a safe online space to to talk about their thoughts and feelings to meet like minded people and really to get to get stuff off their chest um so via our website uh, as i say men who are 18 and over can create a free account and join, join an online space where men are sharing their experiences, um, giving advice based on their own kind of mental health journeys, uh, and really just supporting each other to to open up and talk. Um, I think from personal experience, there's something very powerful about men supporting men in particular, and almost validating each other's feelings and, and letting each other know that it's not it's not weak to talk, it's 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 okay to speak about how you're feeling and there's absolutely no shame in in having down days.
0: Mm, okay. And of course, one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with you at this time of year is because January is well known as apparently being the most depressing month of the year. What you mentioned in terms of that kind of peer-to-peer support, I'm guessing that a lot of that is the stuff that people... Will go onto your platform, and it'll be stuff that they're not quite sure if it's okay to talk about. So, for example, relationship stuff. It could be stuff to do with jobs, could be to do with money. Uh, am I on the right lines?
4: Yeah, I think to be honest, ever since we started the platform, we've we've had a real array of different topics of conversation. You know, and that is literally from, as I say, guys who who aren't necessarily. Um, who, well, who haven't been diagnosed with any form of mental illness, but maybe just be having a a rough day or a bad week at work, or they might have had an argument with a a wife, a husband, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whoever it may be, through to, to, as I say, guys who have been living with mental illness for the majority of their life. So there really is an array of, there's an array of men, there's an array of experiences, there's an array of advice and opinions that that have definitely been shared. Um so yeah, no, you, you're you're exactly on the right lines. And I think the thing is that, you know, no two people's experience of mental illness is the same. Um it's such a personal thing and it's such a I think, I think to be honest, it's it's also one of those things where, and again for guys in particular, it can be very difficult to to talk and to vocalize and it can be very be very daunting to vocalise because, you know, you probably don't know, or you're worried about the reaction that you're going to get if you do talk about how you're feeling. You maybe don't know who or where to turn to, or you know, alternatively, which I, you know, I I know a lot of guys who have this mindset of I'll just keep ploughing ahead and I'll just I'll just kind of I'll deal with things as and when they come. So it's almost like that kind of sort of keep your head down and carry on mentality which you know essentially just brushes things under the rug and, and just just makes things worse in the long run
0: yeah i'm sure that uh there's many of us who can relate to that now i do just want to move on to the notting forest connection because as well as being a forest supporter yourself um there is somebody at the club who uh, who is connected to blokes isn't there tell us a bit more
4: there is. So um, the fantastic Ryan Yates is um yeah, is our is one of our ambassadors, which um I mean it's it's definitely it was an incredibly proud moment for me when he when he agreed to come on board as an ambassador. I mean, obviously over over the last sort of twelve to eighteen months, you know, he's he spoke about his own experiences with with mental health problems. And I think when you've got somebody like Ryan who is so beloved by the fan base and is such a genuinely good person i think it 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 makes for such a powerful honest message around mental health and i think you know Ryan's honesty transparency and as i say genuineness just fitted with everything we were trying to promote and you know, it all started off with me um sending him a message on Instagram asking to to send him a bobble hat. Just and I think this was actually I think I'd read an article in the Nottingham Post or something about that he had he'd been interviewed before speaking about sort of, you know, issues with, with sort of mental or not necessarily issues with mental health problems, but certainly, you know, dealing with the pressures of being a professional footballer and all the things that go with that. And I think it was kind of ever since then, it really struck a chord with me, that article, and I wanted to almost reach out as a token of thanks to offer him a bubble hat. And just, yeah, the conversation kind of just went from there, and I passed on some more information about blokes and obviously being Nottingham-based and what we were trying to achieve. And, yeah, you know, was, there's been no looking back. He's, he's just, yeah, I mean, he's just been an absolute dream, to be honest. He's... He, he, he never do enough to help. And, you know, like I say, he's he's such a good person that, um, yeah, we're very fortunate to have him on board. Tom, let's
0: just talk about you uh, watching Forrest. Um, if I was to put you on the spot, favourite player? Well, I can't say Yeatsy, can I? <laughs> you certainly uh, can. <laughs> do you know what?
4: Apart from Yeatsy, I will go with... It's got to be Brennan. I think Brennan. I think it's been. I think just the fact that he's a homegrown lad, and you know he's come so far, and he's just. I think he embodies everything that Forest is about and what it means to be a Forest player. Very, very much like Yatesy and, and and Joe Worrell, and it just yeah, I, he's just been a complete game changer. And yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I think yeah. it's fantastic. Mate.
0: Okay, and um, we do have to leave it there, Tom. But before we go, how can any listeners? Um, get involved either by accessing the platform or even get involved with the work that you're doing. So
4: uh, for anybody who's interested, who wants to read some more about blokes or, or even sign up to the forum, um, it's www.blokes.life. Um, or if anybody wants to email me with any questions or, or for any more information, my email
0: is tom at blokes.life. Great. And uh, we can find you as well if you just search for blokes on uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, I think it's underscore blokes, isn't it? So, yeah, right, um, yeah. yeah, so we can find you there. All right. Thank you much, Tom. Really uh, a pleasure having you here. Um, thank you and enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks so much.
3: You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast.
0: Thank you very much to Jeremy, as always, for the sketch. And thank you to Tom Home from Blokes for joining us. Now, from mental health to mentality, we had a comment on our YouTube channel from Martin Askovic, who said that defeats the likes of the top three or four on the end of the world, as long as the team preserve their mental strength. Baz, uh, it occurred to me after we recorded our, our report from the Carabao Cup semi-final, that it reminded me a bit of when we played Fulham last season, just when Steve Cooper had not long taken over, whereby it's one of those where you just hold your hands up and just say, "Forest weren't good, but the opposition were just on another level. And of course, another level in the Premier League, you know, our season's not going to be defined by the results against the Premier League top four or even top six, is it?
2: It's not, no. Um, but I would say, yeah, the two Man new games, I've said this during the report, the two Man U games show a difference because the away game, we just didn't. We weren't even at the races. We, we didn't look like we believed we belonged there. Whereas the the second one, we we matched them for 25 minutes or whatever, and it was it was mistakes and a little bit of uh, brilliance from them. But that's very very different to the start of the season with um, Man City or in Arsenal or Leicester or Bournemouth even where we just collapsed and we we gave up. Um, we've got a bit of fight about us. We we can do this now. We believe we can do this. It's just a matter of cutting out the errors and doing it for 95 minutes.
0: Uh, and marriage on the Midlands, the fact that Cooper was talking after the league match at Old Trafford and saying they needed to show, you know, they're good enough. They needed to show more belief that they're good enough to, to do better than that.
3: Yeah, it's so much of it is... is is down to mindset these days um they they it's really something you have to work on there's, there's that phrase mentality monster in football these days where if you look at it a lot of the players in 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 the Premier League are going to be a of a similar level and so it just comes down to having that that mental strength uh to just sort of keep on going and um go through the adversity um and I think we've shown that. I think a great example of that was the Leicester game. Um, on, on the day, Leicester probably played better than us for the, up until when we scored. Um, and they, you could see that players like Tielemans had great touches to them, great quality on the ball. and One or two of their other players. But they had zero determination and zero team spirit. Once, once they'd fallen behind, there was no way they were going to get back into the game because it just wasn't there. And so um, that really gave me um, hope and optimism for Boris. Because you can see, although we might not have players that are as good as some of the other teams, we have, we are really top of the league in terms of uh, team spirit, determination, um, and that, I think that's going to see us through well to the end of the season.
0: OK, thank you very much. Now, Tom, um, in our group chat, you had said that you wanted to have a little bit of a rant, so... Um, You want to talk about VAR, so you've got a minute, the floor is yours.
1: It's tongue-in-cheek this is, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's some computer whiz who can just Photoshop players being level and not level just to protect the top six clubs because if we're saying like, if if a player's got a size 8 boot and the other player's got a size 10 boot, well... That's nature at the end of the day, isn't it? You can't have everybody with the same size 10 feet, if you know what I mean. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's some like super editing in that space, you know, until we actually see the, the image at the VAR and some computer wizards just messing around with it just to preserve the uh, position of the top six clubs in this
2: country. Uh, I will say I don't understand why the line was drawn where, for K's for goal, why the line was drawn where it was. It didn't. It I, I don't know if it was just the, the image I'd seen, but it it didn't make any sense why it was actually drawn there.
1: Do you think that the camera angle on the main stand roof for V A R is a disadvantage for us because it's not, like you say it's on the angle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So you know if you have like it square on, I don't know for VAR, you know like having the like hundred meter sprints at the Olympics, have a um, a camera on a track
2: or and have, it's, have and one it's one level with vertically down.
1: Yeah, I just I just don't get it. So um... I think that I
0: think there's some Netflix <coughs> drama levels of conspiracy theory going on here. Married on <laughs> the Midlands, don't maybe you it's, think? maybe
2: it's an, an AI thing and it's just been trained on the big six winning everything, so it thinks that's what. Happens. Well,
0: th- there is there is that meme that goes around on Twitter, isn't there? Saying checking club badge offside. So uh, <laughs> make of that what you will. Let's move on from there. Let's move on from there because <laughs> it's time for something new. The Nottingham Forest Quiz. Yes, it's time for 1865, the Nottingham Forest Quiz. Um, you've heard Guess That Red, which is our previous quiz, and we may hear back from that in the future. But right now, I'm going to Give you some questions which come from a forest quiz book, the Nottingham Forest quiz book by Chris Carpenter, which was a gift from my parents-in-law at Christmas. So strap yourselves in. I'm going to ask five questions about the Reds, and our panel are going to buzz in, as in, shout out their name, if they know the answer. And uh, let's see how we get on. So the first question today, panel: what is the capacity of the city ground? Is it A? Thirty thousand four hundred and forty-five. Is it B thirty-one thousand five hundred and forty-five, or is it C thirty-two thousand four hundred and fifty-four? At Maradona. the time of oh. publication, Maradon the Midlands. A. The official answer given in the book is A thirty thousand four hundred and forty-five. Of course, this is at the time of publication, and we've lost in capacity because of corporate seats and press box and so on and so forth so so a point to the Maradon, the midlands well done Woo-hoo. okay next question again multiple choice who or what is the cl- current club mascot is it a ca- <laughs> is it a captain canary b robin hood or c a. sherwood the bear b tom has gone for b robin hood we yes, may change and... that
2: question to who or what should be the club mascot.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just trying I to get a point on the board. <laughs> Baz, Baz and I agree on who should be the uh, the the. So the official answer is yes, Robin Hood. He returned after three year absence in 2018. Sherwood the bear was the original mascot from 97 to 20, 2007, and also from 2015 to 2017. But the second iteration of Sherwood, I think Baz and I would agree, was was Wasn't. nothing. No,
2: no, <laughs>
0: no. Okay. So one point to Tom um, and an honorary point to Baz. Uh, Question three. Who has made the most appearances for Nottingham Forest in total? So you've got A, Viv Anderson, B, Ian Bowyer, or C, Bob McKinley? Tom. Go on, Tom. C, Bob McKinley. Bob McKinley has made the most appearances for the club. He played in 692 first team matches from 1951 to 1970 so another point to Tom who takes the lead okay this one if you're a keen listener to Jeremy's sketches over the years you should know this who is the club's record goal scorer is it A. Johnny Dent B. Grenville Morris or C. John Robertson Tom go on Tom Grenville Morris Grenville Morris is Nottingham Forest's record goal scorer with 217 goals in all competitions from 1898 to 1913, which is just about when Baz started watching Forest matches. (laughs) And then the last one um, for today, who is the fastest ever goal scorer for Nottingham Forest? Is it A, Stan Collymore, B, Jack Lester, or C, Paul Smith? Maradona. Oh, I'm going to give it to Baz.
2: Uh, Jack Lester,
0: Jack Lester, Maradona. What are you going to say,
3: Jack Lester? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh,
0: the answer, the official answer is Jack Lester. I think uh, it was after 14 seconds, maradona the Midlands. You and I were sat together for that match, weren't we? <laughs> we
3: were. Yeah, we yeah. Like, on a on a weeknight, re e wine, and the crowd say both Jack, Jack Lester.
0: Lester. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go back to the polls just to finish off for today. um, so I asked you the fans, which position should be the top priority for Forrest to strengthen uh goalkeeper seven point eight percent attacking midfield one point four percent center forward nineteen point three percent and center back came in at seventy one point five percent, although Tom Faulkner did comment and say we need a winger um any comments there from the panel? Well, it's just been
1: it's mentioned. It's just been mentioned this morning by Alan Nixon, so take it with a pinch of salt. Um, Boris might be interested in signing by Liev Kuzin uh, defender Jonathan Tarr, who is one of the up-and-coming defenders in Europe at the moment. So if we somehow get hands on him,
0: he could be a very good player for
1: okay. us. Uh,
0: Finally, I ask this every month now, what position will Forrest finish in the Premier League table? So we've got 1.9% of people who think that we will finish in the top eight. We've got 227 who think we'll finish nine to 13th. Uh, We've got 72.7% who think we'll finish 14th to 17th and 2.7% who think we'll be relegated. People seem pretty confident we're not going to get relegated. So fingers crossed on that one. And that's where we call it a day for today. So thank you, everyone. Thank you to Baz, to Married on the Midlands and to Tom, to Callum for the News Roundup and to Adam for his cameo appearance. A big thanks once again to Tom Home from Blokes. Do check them out and don't be scared to reach out. And thank you to Jeremy for the sketch. Most of all, thank you, listener, for joining us. You know what I'm gonna say. If you like what you hear, please do share our podcast with other Forest fans via social media, leave us a review with a lovely comment, especially if you use Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with a report from Old Trafford in midweek, and then back to League Action with our Leeds match report next weekend, which we're definitely gonna be going to. Until then, look after yourselves and each other.